An answer is a dead thing. An answer is when we say, oh, well, I know, now I know. <laughs> Answers aren't of much use to us in inquiry. And that's quite counter to our usual thinking. We think, well, I'm inquiring in order to get answers. But maybe not. Maybe we're inquiring, actually, to deepen the inquiry. Or maybe we're inquiring to find a way to respond to the questions and the issues and the challenges of life, rather than to find answers to them. And that responsiveness, then, is an alive thing, a dynamic thing. Responsiveness is full of possibility and of ambiguity. And we'll probably come back to ambiguity many times in different ways. So there's what we could call ob the objective field of experience, right? i.e. the objects that appear, the thises and thats. And then there's the subjective field of inquiry. Right. There's this one that appears as the subject of all experience, the one who appears as doing the experiencing, in this case called Martin, or your own name. And the sense of not only our name, but all that we associate with that. Right. The, the one we take ourselves to be in different ways. And then there's what we could call intersubjective experience, the the agreed upon stories about who we are, what we believe, where we're going, how the world was created, etc. So rather than what can seem like a little dry or academic language, objective, subjective, intersubjective, the, the terms we'll use which are simpler are looking at these three domains of self, other and world. Inquire into the sense of self and please to put aside ideas, any kind of strange quasi, quasi, that's an important word, quasi Buddhist ideas that there is no self. Buddha said, never said, there is no self. When the Buddha was asked, is there a self or isn't there? He refused to answer. Because, why? Because Buddha was into, interested in inquiry. Inquiry treads the middle way between fixed views. Between the fixed view, there is a self, and the fixed view, there isn't a self. Because, like we say, both of those are positions. They're dead things. They don't offer us any uh, juice. Rather, to inquire into that which appears to be, that which presents as the sense of self. And so, in inquiring into that, we get to, we get to find out a lot about our, our self-image, our body image, our history, our psychology, our patterns, how we got to be this way, how we got to uh, accumulate and develop this sense of self in this way. So that whole realm of inquiry. And then the realm of inquiry into what we'll call other, or the interpersonal inquiry, which then we get to see a lot about our projections, about vulnerability, about fear, 
also about joy, about sharing, about love, about support, about appreciation, about what we, the way in which we other, using that as a verb, right? There's a lot of, when they're focusing on self and not self, there's a lot of focus on what's sometimes called selfing, the selfing that we do, right? The creation and the maintaining and the rather futile and faulty attempts to shore up a sense of self. But equally contingent on that, because they're inseparable, they go together, is the way that we do a lot of othering. In the basic sense of uh, the impression that you are over there and different and separate from me. And then whatever we might be doing psychologically, emotionally, energetically, defensively, to maintain a sense of otherness, differentness, separateness including the social ways that we do some of that othering and no doubt taking in some of the social implications of that othering which as somebody mentioned earlier in terms of that which is you know we can see playing out on the political spectrum a kind of hardening of a certain tension a certain tendency to otherize people based on some or other social identity And then the whole, the realm of the world, inquiring into what do we mean? We think we know what we mean when we talk about the world. I mean, what comes to mind when you hear that term, world, the world? Now, probably, I mean, for me, the first image is that blue-green ball of planet Earth. And that seems so obvious that, that that's what the world is. But, and yet one can imagine times in history where the world conjured up very, very different images. I mean, that, even that image hasn't been around for very long. When were the first pictures taken from outer space? 1961? Maybe a little bit before that, I'm not sure. 61 was the first time where the humans went into space. Right? So just, isn't that interesting? That, that sense that seems so obvious from us, to us, maybe. World, oh yeah, blue-green ball. That that's, that's, uh, that's just that's a constructed sense of world right and that at other times in history world may have extended just you know uh, for very 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 the vast vast majority of human beings in the whole of history what the, the only known world would have extended you know 30 or 40 or 50 kilometers maybe in each direction the world was defined by that mountain range or by that sea and that was the edges of the world, in some way. As well as what we mean in terms of uh, not, ju not, ju not just the physical world, but our sense of the world that we inhabit. And that includes our, the, our mythologies, and our religious worldview, or scientific worldview, which turn out to be the same thing, right? There's a worldview constructed that we've inherited, whether we've inherited it from religion or whether we've inherited it from science. The beliefs that we have about the world. And we don't tend to call them beliefs, we tend to call them the truth. That's the way the world is. The world was, you know... And the religious truth is that the world was created by a god or a bunch of gods in some way, and that's the truth. And those other religions all don't understand it properly. But my religion, whoever the me is, we've got the real... Others have beliefs, but I have the truth. <laughs> That's the nature of a worldview. 
and science pops up in exactly the same way as religions pop up and says the same thing. Oh, others have beliefs, but we have the truth. It wasn't God that created the universe, it was the Big Bang. The Big Bang created the universe and then the universe is expanding and it functions in exactly the same way. So we get to open up our sense of this realm. So these are the domains, self, other, world. And what is it then that makes our exploration of these domains really an inquiry rather than us just sitting around sharing lots of bright ideas <laughs> with each other? Ideas about self, ideas about the world, ideas about each other, ideas about Buddhism. So the three orientations for inquiry those of you who have sat a bunch of retreats with me, you know that the three C's. Contact, curiosity, and care. So what does that mean in terms of inquiry? The foundation, a contactful relationship with experience. Hence, the emphasis on embodied presence. Contactful means we're meeting our sense of self, or we're meeting our experience of other, or we're meeting our sense of world in a contactful way, in an immediate way, in an embodied way. We're really listening to the whole of our sensory experience. So if we're being contactful and we raise as an inquiry, who's the one who's sitting here? Or what's the sense of self right now? Our tendency can be to go to an idea. What's the sense of self? Um, um, let me think, let me think, let me think. But to be contactful is to be willing to assume, I don't know, when I first hear the question. What's the sense of self that's here now? Let me see, oh. Well, it has a certain warmth to it. It has a certain buzziness to it right now. It has a certain sense of, um, I can sense the way my role as being at the one at the front of the room and you all listening is impacting on that sense of self. And yet as I draw attention to the sense of self as being the one at the front of the room, then the, the very attention to that starts to open it up and actually then the sense of contact with you and inclusivity of the whole room starts to stand out. So, and then as I open that up, so you see that they, when I ask myself, what's the sense of self? It becomes an exploratory process based on being contactful. And these three C's or three orientations will really be emphasizing as the bedrock of our inquiry. Contactfulness. If there's no contact, then it is that we've just got our ideas. It's just an intellectual inquiry. It's just um, uh, a philosophy <coughs> in some way. And nice ideas can be very stimulating, very attractive. Some of us are really drawn to the world of good ideas, bright ideas, inspiring ideas. But br inspiring ideas don't real—they don't transform our responsiveness to life. Nice ideas aren't what allow us to respond more fluidly and more freely and more fully to life. So contact, contact, contact.
and then uh, curiosity that willingness right, to, to actually find out what is this to feel more fully into because awareness itself is not enough and some of you referred to that when we went round a little bit, right? In either in speaking about being, feeling stuck in your practice or in feeling about a, a sense of developing the capacity to be mindful, to be aware of what's happening, and yet kind of not knowing how to bring that capacity for awareness to really bear on opening up your experience. Hence, the Buddha referring to this uh, samatha vipassana as the two wings of awakening. And you try and fly on one wing, what happens? You just go round and round in circles. Right? You need two wings to have some direction, some whew, grace, some uh, whatever that is, gliding. <coughs> so, without curiosity, actually, there isn't much insight. And curiosity as the willingness to find out about, the willingness to feel more fully into, the willingness to engage our not knowing. Curiosity starts off from that uh, sense. Okay, I don't, maybe I don't know. Let me assume I don't know much about self and other and world. Let me assume that what I do know is, pro is for the most part kind of accumulated interpretation and view and commentary. And therefore let me put that aside to be genuinely curious. Curiosity is the second point of that sort of foundational tripod. And then the third uh, orientation, care. Being gentle with ourselves, caring for the one who is getting exposed. And caring for the process of inquiry, recognizing that uh, we might feel um, fearful, vulnerable, confused. And <coughs> being willing to, to listen to that. To being able to take care of ourselves in the process to being able to actually go, what one of my friends calls, to go fearwards. Right. When, it's, when it's appropriate, when we can see that there's some kind of sticking point here that, ah, oh, that's leading some defensiveness that's actually, maybe, is actually kind of calling to be uh, explored aloud. But equally, sometimes the act of care is to recognize, oh, that, right, that needs attention, and right now, it feels too much in some way. And so sometimes the way of caring and of inquiring is to be able to say, oh, there's something here and I can feel the way I don't want to speak about it. I can feel the way there's resistance to it. And sometimes it's very respectful and it's, it's actually the layer of inquiry that's most predominant is to inquire into the resistance to feeling something or speaking about something. So sometimes it's appropriate to, what I was just calling, go fearwards. But sometimes it's equally appropriate to, to listen to that fear. So that we're not kind of pushing forward. Inquiry has to be an open inquiry. 
And there's a lot of, I would say, a lot of really learning the art of inquiry is learning the fact that we don't need to push and that actually pushing is counterproductive. That there isn't an answer we're supposed to get to. And that actually the real way to care for ourselves in the process and care for the inquiry itself is to really make room for what's here with the increasing trust and then the increasing experience that by making room for what's here, it opens up by itself. It reveals more about itself. The process of really attending to experience is onward leading or inward leading or opening. And um, a, a note uh, about that pro sense and process of just caring for yourself in the process. All of the inquiries we do, all of the relational inquiries we do, are just held in a spirit of confidentiality. And what that means particularly or precisely is when the inquiry's over, you, you don't refer back to the material again that somebody else has spoken about. You might refer back afterwards to, to what you've said. Oh, when I was doing that inquiry, I really noticed that. Da, 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 da. But you don't refer back to anything anybody else has said, neither to anybody in general, including the people in the room, and neither even to the person who shared it. So that we don't come back and say, when you said that thing earlier on in the inquiry, did it do that? We might, we might ask somebody, ah, I'm interested to, to explore more what we, what we were doing earlier. Would you, do you want to speak more about how we, what we were inquiring or what we were noticing? And the person can say yes or no. But that sense of allowing the space in which the inquiry, whatever it is, can open up, that the, we, can each, we can each really follow your thread wherever it goes, and then it's the end of the inquiry, it's put down. It's, that's really... That's really uh, really important actually in us taking care of each other and and in allowing it to be a caring process and one in which the sense of trust in each other and in the process and in one's own inquiry and the sense of support between and from and with each other can really be allowed to kind of develop and grow during the week so I want to really make sure actually that that's abundantly clear before we go on Yes, good. And then there's three sort of um, layers, you might say, to inquiry, which I often think is really three primary questions. The first being, what's happening? What's happening now? What's happening now? And of course, this, this, just this very simple question, what's happening now, can have immense depth and dimensionality to it. There's actually, I would say, an infinite amount that we can attune to in terms of what is happening now. One of my... Hamid wrote a book called Space Cruiser Inquiry. <laughs> And when I first heard the title of that book, I thought, I didn't get it, really. Space cruiser? He's really into sci-fi imagery. And yet, 
the process of inquiry, when we really allow ourselves to follow it, it's that sense of space cruiser, like, wow, there's vast realms here. I mean, consciousness is vast and infinite. Any of those three realms, the realms of what we call self, vast and infinite, the realms of what we call other, and what's happening in uh, the contact with another, vast and infinite. The fact of what the world or the universe is, vast and infinite. And so uh, inquiry can have that, that uh, flavor to it somehow, of a vast infinitude of possibility. And so that it just doesn't become disembodied, important then that that, that first layer, what's happening now, is, like we say, embodied, contactful. And then the second question or layer, how am I meeting it? So really, our inquiry is, is usually engaged in one of these three levels. Firstly, just what, what's happening right now. Secondly, how am I meeting what's happening? How am I reacting or not reacting? What am I doing with the experience? And then the third layer, who is the one who's experiencing it? Who am I taking myself to be in this experience? And again, important that we don't rely, that we don't switch from some habitual uh, view, it's me, Martin, who's experiencing it, just to some opposite sort of Buddhist view. Oh, there's no one experiencing it. <coughs> so that that be a genuinely open question. And there's so much we can find out from the, the one I take myself to be in any given moment. And sometimes that seems to be the wise one, the confident one. Other times it seems to be the defi a deficient one, a small one, a scared one, one that thinks he knows already, one that thinks he'll ne he doesn't know and will never know, one who thinks he knows better than the other, one who thinks the other knows better than me, etc., etc. So these... Um, <coughs> these are the three C's contact, curiosity, and care. And the three questions have kind of correlates, right? So contact is that sense of really being here for the what is happening. And then the curiosity, that willingness to actually feel into and find out about how am I meeting it? And then the care, the willingness to actually be gentle and inclusive and allowing of whoever uh, seems to be here right now, of whoever I find myself identified as moment by moment. So context, curiosity and care for what and how and who is here in these domains of self and other and world. So that's the kind of nine point map <laughs> of inquiry. And um, I want to spend mostly these, uh, the, these two days over the weekend in sort of dropping down through the what is happening, how am I meeting it, and who, do I, who am I taking myself to be 
in that experience. And then uh, in, in sort of deepening in that way through the weekend, we then got the opportunity through the, world, uh, through the week to look, in, look at the, the stuff of, what, of these three domains, self, other, and world, <coughs> as a way to apply that, um, that deepening skill. So, what's happening right now? What's happening right now? We'll make some time to explore that together, and maybe first, I'm, I'd like you to do a little a, a relational inquiry around that, but first we'll just do a little meditative inquiry. So just attending to the sort of phenomenology of the moment. And any others of you, if, you know, if for some reason sitting for a long time is difficult for you, for, for whatever physical condition you have, if you feel like you need to, to stand sometimes rather than sit, or to stand behind your chair and lean on it, uh, do what you need to do to take care of yourself in that way. So here we are, right? embodied presence. Consciousness is on. Experience is happening. It's happening all by itself. You don't need to do something in order to experience. So, what is happening right now? And just to see what response or responses come to that question. What's happening right now? Seeing if there's the tendency to try to find the thing amidst the whole of flickering experience. What's happening right now? Noticing if there's a tendency to look for the best thing or the right thing. What's happening right now? Noticing if there's a tendency to try and track or make sense of everything that's happening. happening right now? See if you can really allow some space after the question. The space in order just to see, feel, 
What stands out in your experience? Maybe just the sounds in the room, sound of my voice, the sound of the baby, other sounds. Might be some aspect of your own physical experience or emotional experience. Might be the state of confusion, not being able to get a clear handle on what's happening. What's happening right now? There's no wrong experience. Nothing that should or shouldn't be here. So letting yourself just really listen to the touch of life. Letting yourself listen in a way that's contactful. Present in your body. In a way that's curious. willing to feel into and find out about experience. And really listening in a way that's caring, that's gentle, that allows experience to be here. What's happening right now? contactfulness or embodied presence is the way we ask that question of experience moment by moment we don't really ask that question by repeating to ourselves oh what's happening right now what's happening right now what's happening right now but embodied presence is the asking of that question 
It's the, the kind of the receptivity to, the sensitivity to, the opening ourselves to whatever's happening, what's impacting on sensory life, emotional life, mental life. And so a basic mindfulness practice, moment by moment, in a way, is the way of embodying that question of what's happening. that first, you might say, or primary or foundational layer of inquiry. So, um, in order to just continue that in a slightly different form, I'd like you to just uh, to find a partner and we'll just spend a little time each in a sort of formal way, just sitting with each other. And we'll, ju- we'll take, what's the time? We'll just take 10 minutes each to um, do sort of meditation out loud and what that means is you're just uh, saying and then f- completing the sentence now, right now I'm aware okay. right now I'm aware that or right now I'm aware of and you might, it might be a very short thread right now I'm aware of the temperature in my knees. Right now I'm aware of etc. Or it might be that the thread's quite long. Uh, right now I'm aware of uh, that I was oh that I was actually trying to premeditate what I was going to be aware of. And then when I notice that I just stop and something in my nervous system just slows down a little and opens up. And then I start to get really curious about that space. And there's a certain humor to the, the tendency towards premeditation and what happens when I let it go. And now the field of what I'm aware of feels much more fluid and um, kind of charged with possibility, etc., etc. So it may be that it's just you just a small thing that you're aware of, or it may be that as you connect with and report what you're aware of, that it opens up and there's a thread to follow for some lines or some minutes even. So stay contactful, right? So that, that, so that that's the ground of your inquiry. And go slowly. Right now, I'm aware. And that's where you've feel into and find out about. Rather than planning now what you're going to be aware of, right, during the 10 minutes that you're going to be speaking. I mean, oh yes, I'm going to, okay, I can talk about that. (laughs) So, um, as I say, the, the form for it, we'll split, we'll just do it in twos. You can spread out around the room. You could go and sit out in the garden if you if you'd like to as well just have a little more space and the first person will just take 10 minutes you sit opposite each other in a more or less formal way as you're inquiring you may be helpful to have the eyes open and the sense of contact with the other as a sense of now i'm aware of some people will find that having the eyes open actually helps a sense of oh grounded present contactful but for others you might actually equally find that actually oh you have more access to your experience with eyes closed. There's, it doesn't matter. It's not a right or wrong way to do it. As the listener, though, please have your eyes open. Right, so that you're there, just offering the uh, kind of 
an embodied presence, an attuned presence, and a, uh, to your colleague, friend, partner. And yeah, so just go slowly. Right now, I'm aware, and see what comes. Let's see what comes. And then when you get to the end of that, just pause for a moment. And then again, right now, I'm aware. So you're just tracking the moment-by-moment immediate experience. And that might be predominantly physical or sensory, or it might start to include more your state or what you're, what's happening in real time. There's no right place for your inquiry to go. But if you notice that you're starting to get complicated, that you're starting to tell a story about that's actually lifting you out of embodied, immediate, contactful experience, just drop it and come back. Oh, right now, I'm aware that I was losing myself in abstraction. And I just, I really noticing how, oh, it's different to drop that and sort of feel myself sitting here again. So the first partner will do that for 10 minutes and the listening partner doesn't do or say anything. Right? You just sit there taking care of your own embodied presence and just being contactful in the listening. And then you switch around and uh, the other the person who's listening then does the 10 minutes of that inquiry. So you're completing the sentence, now I am aware, oh sorry, right now I am aware dot dot dot. Okay. Just, I want you to have the wording very precisely. Sometimes it's amazing people's capacity to change the wording from here to the two minutes later. Right now, I am aware... Dot, dot, dot. So, um, please, the, the person who's listening can do the timing. So you can use a watch or you can use your phone or if you don't have a watch or a phone, I can't imagine you can be two people... Uh, who don't have a watch or a phone between you, but there's a clock on the wall, so you can always sit with the listener facing the clock and can let the other person know when you're finished. So that'll take 20 minutes or so, and then we'll come back together to just check in, debrief a little bit before lunch. Okay? Does anybody not have a partner? It didn't count if you're an even. You're still at your one? So, uh, I, I didn't count if we were odd or even. So join with a three and do, se and do seven minutes each. So two, two listeners, one speaker. Yeah, we were an odd number. So you can do just three minutes each with one speaker and two listeners. Yeah, seven.